Good morning. This morning I've entitled my message, House of Prayer. Our text this morning is taken from uh, Mark 11, uh, 15 to 18, and we'll look at that here in just a bit. Um, I uh, was a little hesitant to bring this message because we looked at a parallel passage about a month ago, um, a passage in John, I believe, John 2, um, but I felt like the passages were different enough, and I felt like this is a, a good reminder for me, um, a good reminder. Actually, it fits quite well with the sermon that I gave um, at that time. I believe it was a month ago as well. So we're going to take a look at the passage in Mark 11 to start off with. And I have it on the screen here for you, but uh, you can turn to it if you'd like. Mark 11, verses 15 to 18. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught them, saying, I'm sorry, then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. You have made it a den of thieves. It's a pretty small passage. Pretty small text to look at this morning, and yet uh, we're not going to get to even address all of the issues that show up here um, in this passage. So, as we look at the story, it's quite um, quite straightforward. We have buying and selling happening in the temple. Now, um, if we look at the context here in Mark eleven, we find that this is happening around the same time as the triumphal entry. Um, believe in all the passages that happens after the triumphal entry in, I'm sorry, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, So this is happening um, toward the end of Jesus' ministry in that last week before his crucifixion. This is also happening around the time of Passover, and so um, implication being that the extra business that's going on here in the temple is related to the Passover. We see money changers. We specifically see those who uh, sold doves. And then Mark, um, unlike Matthew and Luke, mentions um, would not allow them to carry wares through the temple. I'm not exactly sure um, what all was was going on there. Um, And then after this, um, after verse 18, we see that the scribes and the chief priests feared him because the people were astonished at his teaching. So this is the passage in Mark. Um, The passage in Matthew uh, is very similar, uh, uses some of the same um, wording, uh, just leaves out a few few small details there. Um, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out those who who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, is it... It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. The passage in Luke is also very similar. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. (coughs) And just for reference sake, we'll take a look at the John passage as well. 
Now, the John passage is a little different in a lot of diff- in a lot of ways. Um, for one, we see mention of of um, the ox and the sheep. Um, we see the whip, which is not mentioned in the other passages. Um, and we also see him quoting a different passage, this time from Psalm uh, 69, verse 9. Zeal, f- or I'm sorry, this is the disciples remembering this. Sorry, it wasn't actually Jesus quoting it. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Now, this, according to John, is happening in, in chapter 2, which is immediately after the, uh, the changing of the water into wine. Um, and so... This seems to appear at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, now, there are several different opinions on why that is or, or uh, if there's, uh, yeah, or how you reconcile those two. Um, one of the ways is to say that it happened twice, that um, Jesus did this at the beginning of his ministry and then also at the end of his ministry. Um, that's probably the most common way. And that's based a lot on the fact that um, there's a very different approach or a very different way of of giving the passages. Um, the other way that people talk about is that um, that John wasn't giving things in chronological order and therefore John moved it to the beginning um, to try to get a, a certain point across. We're not looking at the John passage this morning, so we're not going to address uh, those specifically. What we, what we want to look at is um, what happens there in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, as, as I talk a little bit about what's going on here, I want, want you to look at a picture. This is a very simplified picture. I want it to be as simplified as possible. Um, this is how they, the basic layout of the temple in Jesus' day. Um, and so you'll see um, the inner courts, which are probably what we think of mostly when we think of the temple. But then you also have the outer courts as well, um, and specifically the court of the Gentiles. Um, I'm, most people would be of the opinion that, that this selling was going on in the court of the Gentiles. It wasn't going on in the actual inner courts themselves. Um, this was um, going on right inside the door, in essence, um, in the foyer. <laughs> um, so that's, um, that's just a simplified picture. We know that around the time of Passover, um, there was... Um, clearly a greater need for, for animals to sacrifice. And so um, it would appear that, that perhaps sellers who other times would be able to be outside the temple or outside the, out, just outside the walls um, kind of overflowed into the temple itself. This uh, was necessary so that people who were coming to offer a sacrifice could purchase one on site. Um, they didn't have to buy one in their hometown um, or even maybe bring some from their own flock but they could bring they could come and get um, I guess pre-approved animals uh, on site now interestingly in the passage that we're looking at in Mark 11 it only mentions the doves Um, does anyone know who would what type of people would be buying the doves the poorest, yeah. Um, and so we don't even mention, he doesn't even mention in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, the oxen and the sheep, specifically the doves. Um, I'm not sure what the significance of that is, but I, I think it does warrant some further study if some of you are interested in that. There may be an implication of overcharging and cheating uh, if, if 
Um, this was specifically for the poor. The money changers were also there because uh, the law requires that they provide the temple tax at this time and that they provide it in a certain currency. Uh, the law, I believe, requires a half shekel. I'd have to double check that for sure. Um, and so um, people who were coming with Greek and Roman or whatever coins they had uh, would have to exchange it for um, the correct uh, coinage. So there's a lot of um, conjecture when we get to this point as to what exactly was happening and what um, Jesus was, was trying to rectify in this situation. And, and I don't deny that there may have been uh, cheating, there may have been taking advantage of the poor, there may have been um, a lot of those kinds of things happening. But I think Jesus actually makes it quite clear what his reasoning is by the, the passages in script, of Scripture that he quotes. Now, I'm going to make an assumption uh, that I believe is well-merited by um, the way that rabbis spoke and the way that, um, that people use Scripture to teach. Um, for instance, if, if today you were reading in the, the paper... Um, and an Irish uh, editor wrote an editorial about um, EU regulations, and they referred to them as um, as being black and tan. That would have a very specific meaning for people of Irish context. They would understand what that means. If you wrote that in America, no one would would know what you're talking about. But there is a common context a core understanding of, of how that phrase, those words, have been used in history, and therefore they understand what that means. And I believe the same is true when Jesus uses these phrases. He uses these phrases that um, are a part of the Jewish context, are a part of the Jewish scripture. The, they also carry a lot of meaning with them that isn't specifically said when they're, when they're given. The audience understands the context, and therefore they understand the message. So in order to try to understand that, we are going to take a look at those passages. Um, The first is uh, the quote about the house of prayer. A house of prayer, and actually in, in Mark 11, it's a house of prayer for all nations. So to find that one, we're going to turn to Isaiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 56. Now, Isaiah 56 starts a portion of Isaiah that um, builds, um, builds on what was previously talked about, but begins to create, uh, I believe, a chiasm um, culminating, uh, I'm sorry, from, from Isaiah, Isaiah 56 to 66 um, that culminates in the center. Now, we start and end on the same page, and perhaps we'll have time to look at Isaiah 66 as well. But I, I, like, I like to look at um, how we're coming off of Isaiah 55 in reality, and how Isaiah 55 is the, 
it's actually one of my favorite uh, chapters in Isaiah, talking about restoration, uh, the incredible restoration that comes about um, because of God. Um, Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. I believe the writer here is going on to talk about what that looks like, what that restoration, what that salvation looks like and, and should look like. And so I'm going to read the, uh, the entirety of Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 56. Um, and I have two questions here that I'd like you to think about as I read. First of all, who will the Lord make room for in his temple? And secondly, if we assume that Jesus is using this whole passage to speak to the religious, religious rulers, what three things does this passage refer to those religious leaders as? And you'll get to that second question um, as we get to the end of the chapter here. So let's stand as I read. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness, for my salvation is about to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man who does does this and the son of man who lays hold on it, who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree, for thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Also, the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to him. All you, be- all you beasts of the field come to devour. All you beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs, which never have enough. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Every one for his own gain, from his own territory. Come, one says, I will bring wine, and we will fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. Tomorrow will be as today, and much more abundant. Thank you. You may be seated. Who will the Lord make room for in his temple? Everyone who chooses what pleases him. Yeah, and he specifically mentions a few a few specifics, the sons of foreigners, right? The eunuchs, the um, others besides those who are gathered to him. God seeks to make room for all in his temple. Even to them will I give in my house a place and a name. 
If we assume that Jesus is using this whole passage to speak to the religious rulers, what are the three things that he's referring to them as? Wild animals. animals. Yeah, I I wasn't sure about that one, so I didn't actually include that one. But I, yeah, good. Keep going. Blind. Yes, blind. What kind? uh, Blind watchmen. (laughs) Okay, good. Selfish shepherds, yeah, the shepherds uh, who cannot understand, who have no discernment, okay? Dumb, Dumb greedy dogs, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty harsh. Or it seems pretty harsh, maybe it's not harsh. As we look at this passage... Um, we see the, the cry to keep justice and do righteousness that shows up in the very beginning. God wants salvation. He wants restoration to be available to all. And he wants his temple, his house of prayer, to be open to all. And as we look at the irresponsible leaders in the end of the passage there, um, the if if you were a leader in the temple and you heard Jesus quoting these and you knew what came at the end of that passage, you could feel it too. This was a rebuke. You have, you were supposed to make it a house of prayer and yet you are blind watchmen. You are greedy dogs. Justice and inclusion also seem to be the hallmark there in the beginning of that of that passage. Okay. So let's turn over to the next quote or the next phrase. Uh, the phrase is den of thieves. And this also shows up um, in the prophets. This shows up in Jeremiah chapter 7. So you can turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 7. Two questions that I want you to think as I read this passage as well. Jeremiah lists some things that the people are doing wrong or neglecting to do. What are those things? And then how would you describe the people's view of the temple? So I'm just going to read this. You can stay seated for this one. Um, I'll be reading, uh, I believe I'll be reading the first 20 verses here. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word, and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah, who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. 
Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. But go now to, the pla- to my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because you have done all these works, says the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear. And I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, I will do to the the house which is called by my name, in which you trust, and to this place which I gave to you and your fathers, as I have done to Shiloh. And I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all your brethren, the whole posterity of Ephraim. Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. Do you not see what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, says the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to the shame of their own faces? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my anger and my fury will be poured out on this place, on man and on beast, on the trees of the field and on the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. I'll stop reading there. Jeremiah was told to go to the entrance of the temple, and this is what he was supposed to say. As people were coming and going from the temple to the temple, This is what they were supposed to hear from the mouth of Jeremiah. Change your ways. So Jeremiah lists some things that the people are doing wrong or or neglecting to do. What are some of those ways that that you see here in this passage? Goes back to my last sermon. Good. Believing lies. Okay. Yeah. Burning incense to Baal. Mm-hmm. And he's not even the only. Uh, idol that they're promoting there. Toward the end of the passage, we see the Queen of Heaven mentioned. They're offering uh, cakes, making cakes for the Queen of Heaven. Good. Steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, walk after other gods whom you do not know. Good. And how about the second one? How would you describe the people's view of the temple? Mm-hmm. It was um, 
kind of like a lucky charm in essence. Um, do we know any other time when the children of Israel did something like that? That's right. That's right. And that's exactly what, what Jeremiah is talking about when he talks about Shiloh. He says, that didn't help you any. The ark didn't help you. Shiloh was, was destroyed where the tabernacle was. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. We're safe. We're safe. We don't have to worry because we have the temple of the Lord. We can do all this stuff. Murder, steal, adultery, worship, ale. But then we can come and we can worship and then we're all good. There's injustice there in verses 5 to 8. There's idolatry in verse 9 and then later on at the end of the passage. We see the reference there to the, the den of thieves. What What is the defining characteristic of a thief? Yeah. Get more for me. I need more. I need stuff. We see Jesus, I'm sorry, we see God telling the people, I told you over and over again, I woke up early and I told you over and over again, but you would not listen. And so there is, there is justice. The people believe that they were secure because of the temple. They hid behind it in essence. They broke the law. They hid behind their regular worship of God in the temple as the thing that justified them. We see the injustice to the alien, the orphan, and the widow side by side with the idolatry. They oppressed the foreigner, the widow, the orphan. Their lifestyle was killing innocent people. They were worshiping other gods by how they lived. But they looked the part of a God-fearing and God-worshiping Jew. So they were okay. Or so they thought. So as we try to pull together these two quotes, we think about Jesus alluding to both of these passages as he cleansed the temple. And so because of these two quotes, I feel it's, it's um, the assumption that this occurred in the court of the Gentiles um, is validated, is further validated. The exchanging of currency, the sale of animals that was happening in the court of the Gentiles was not allowing for what? The Gentiles, the, the Gentiles to worship. Yeah, the Jews could, could grab their animals and go into their inner courts, but where were the Gentiles going to worship? We see the further admonitions of Isaiah 56 toward the religious leaders. And I think that I think the Sadducees understood it. Now you think about the Sadducees and the way that they came to power, um, simply basically by buying that power. Um, and then their need then to exact revenge for this, for uh, on Jesus, for his teaching um, that happened less than a week later. 
We see the other accusations of Jeremiah 7 about injustice and idolatry while excusing it because they were also worshiping in the temple. I believe that further speaks to the condition of the hearts of those same religious leaders, the idol of mammon or money that they served. In serving mammon and the power that it can bring, they were disregarding the poor, the widow, the stranger, the orphan. They were a den of thieves. They were all about what they could acquire while still looking good. So what was Jesus doing? I think, first of all, Jesus is making room for Gentiles to worship. And he's condemning those who had pushed them out and diluted their worship. It's hard to worship when you've got a bunch of people selling doves in the background or changing money. God wanted his place of worship, his house of prayer, to be for all nations. God always intended his people to be a witness to all nations and be a place where all nations could come and worship. And Jesus condemned the religious systems that did not recognize that as God's calling for them and were instead hindering the worship of God by all nations. Secondly, I believe that Jesus is condemning the Jews for, for hiding their idolatry and their injustice behind their worship of God. Just as the priest and the Levite passed by the man beside the road and the Samaritan stopped, the Jews were doing what they, what they thought were the right things. It was a system built up to do the right things without actually doing the essence of what God had called them to do. The Jews in Jeremiah's time and these Jewish leaders that supported and participated in this buying and selling in the temple believed that their worshiping God in the temple, their strict observance of Sabbath and the rest of their laws would justify any exclusions or alienations that would happen as a result. They justified the means by the end. By the end of themselves, obviously. They were overlooking the weightier matters, as Jesus pointed out to them. We too need to evaluate our lives. We can talk about injustice and idolatry. We can look at the Jewish leaders and we can see it very clearly. But what about in our own lives? We need to allow the message of Jeremiah 7 to call us to recognize that we ourselves, within us, there is that desire to serve ourselves that may result in disregarding others, the strangers, the orphans, and the widows. There is a desire within us for money, for power. Or whatever else that idol is. How are we putting up barriers? How are we discouraging people from recognizing in us a God who calls all mankind, all creation, to worship and serve him?
the Sunday school lesson today fits very well with the sermon as well. Because Jesus embodied in himself the new temple. That access to God that all people now have. Are we drawing all nations to that temple? To Jesus Christ? Or are we acting like we've got it right and no one else can attain or can be worthy to worship God? In Jeremiah, in Isaiah, in the Gospels, we're talking about a physical place. The temple. The place of worship. The place where God's glory dwells or is supposed to dwell. But today we recognize that we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And that it's not necessarily in the Temple Mount. It's not necessarily on Mount Gerizim in Samaria. But rather, it's in the person of Jesus Christ. We hinder others from worshiping God by not continuing Jesus' work and Jesus' life as his body on earth. We too now have become the temple of God. The body of Christ. We live out in our own flesh the life of Christ as we grow more and more into his image. As others see that eternal life within us, they are drawn to worship. That's how it should be. May we choose to live that way. May we choose to reject exclusivity, idolatry, and injustice. And may the temple, the body of Christ, assembled here today, be a house of prayer for all nations and not a den of thieves. Thank you. Let's kneel for prayer.